Hey there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in him and who we are to him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. and we're talking about this conversation between the two of them. It's a dynamic conversation because what you're going to see, if, you, if you're not careful, you're going to miss all of this. And the conversations that they have, there's so much power and there's so much depth and there's so much beauty and there's so much you and I can learn about, number one, how to communicate with each other, but number two, how to communicate with God. And we're going to see that through this communication between the king and the shepherd girl. Remember we said this, this is a song, and it's the greatest song. What makes a great song great is not the lyrics, it's not the melody. It is, in fact, the message that the artist wanted to convey when he made that song and when he put that song together and how he used the lyrics and the melody to craft that message. And so when we look at this song, let's stop and just realize for a minute, we need to tone down the melody, the sexual content. We need to tone down the uh, the um, the lyrics, and that's the shepherd girl and the king, and we need to focus our heart on the message. We ask God to tune our heart into the message. And so we're looking at this, and, and he is a, the king is the picture of God, and the bride is a picture of the, the, the Shunammite girl. The shepherd girl is a, is a picture of the bride of Christ, which is us. It's you and I. We are the pursued in this relationship, and he is the pursuer. And so as we see this interaction between the two of them take place, it is not just us watching in, peeking in on someone's life. It's not just us reading someone's love mail or us uh, looking into someone's diary. It is actually us looking into the heart of God and looking into the patterns that are laid out before us. This is how it looks. This is how relationships look. And what makes the Song of Solomon truly challenging to get into is that it's going to challenge every part of your love. It's going to challenge every relationship in your life that you have given your love to, whether it's a spouse or to a children or to a parent or to a, a friend or a brother and sister in Christ. It's going to challenge that. It's going to say, wait a minute, are you truly giving them exactly what love is supposed to be. And so as we get into this dialogue, uh, pay close attention to who's saying what, pay close attention to the words they're using, and we're noticing right off the bat that she has now identified herself. She's taking these baby steps in her identity saying, okay, I'm going to launch out in this in this uh, bravery and this courage. And by the way, it takes massive amounts of courage. Anytime you leave what's familiar for what's true, it's going to require courage. It's going to require this boldness that says, you know what, I don't care what everyone else says. I'm going to step out into what I what I believe God has spoken to me about and what he says I am. Because when you operate out of that, understand operating from the fact that you are approved and operating from the fact that God of the universe loves you and he has made you clean. He has made you this new creature. And I'm going to operate today as that new creature. That is going to take immense amount of courage and immense amount of boldness because you are stepping away from other people's opinions. And by the way, when you step away from those, opinions of you are going to change. Man's opinions are going to fluctuate. Uh, They're going to look at you and say, well, they're not making sense. They're not doing this right. They're not doing that right. They're not doing what they're really saying, like the Sneetches in Dr. Seuss book, the Sneetches on the beaches. What they're saying is they don't wear a star. They're not, you know, it's like, I don't need your star, man. God made me a Sneetch. He made me the beach. (laughs) You know, I'm going to walk on the beaches of a Sneetch without a star. And we start to move in that new identity and says, you know what? I'm going to walk every day in this understanding with the mind 
mind of Christ every day. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to wake up in the morning and say, I am approved by God. I am loved by God. I am valued by God. I'm desired by God. I am sought after by God. I'm not just going to say it. Man, I'm going to bring to my heart the remembrances of the passage of Scripture that says, for God so loved the world. I'm going to really meditate on that, not just memorize it. I don't just hold that up at a ball game, man. That means something to me. It tells me that God desired me enough to come after me when I was undesirable, when I felt undesirable. While we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. That proves his insanely, fanatically consistent desire of my heart, man. He was after me in strong pursuit. And if God desires me and, and pursues me that much, man, what, what do I need you to desire me for? What do I need to feel desired from a boss? Or, or how do I need to expect that from a spouse or from a child? Man, I've been given that by God, and so I walk in that. And when those other sources in my life take a step back in their intensity to affirm me, in their intensity to approve me, I'm not taking it as rejection because they never were there to accept me in the first place. They're a bonus. They're an add-on in life. God has given me their gift. That relationship was an expression of his heart to me as well. So here in episode number 16, uh, we're talking, and she is uh, she has spoken to him, and she said, I'm a Rosa Chair, and I remember last episode, he looked at her and he said, you're like a lily among the thorns. He brought us a comparison. We talked about being unique to God and how God finds us unique, and God loves that about us, and how, yes, we are not like the daughters of Jerusalem, and you know what? God wanted us different from the daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, he wanted us different. He wants us and values us because of our heart. He, he loves the way we express. We are completely, fearfully, and wonderfully made, and we're unique. And so we see this cycle of communication, expression, and rest. It's not just God communicating his heart. It's not just God communicating his love to us. There's an expression that follows that. He doesn't just say, I love you. Uh, he finds a way to express that. It wasn't just for God so loved the world. It was for God so loved the world that he what? He expressed, he gave his only begotten son. And, and I use John three sixteen because it embodies the cycle in, in one passage, you know. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's communication, expression, and why did he give his only begotten son so that you and I can be reunited that whosoever believes in him should not, not might not perish but have everlasting life we rest we meditate in the fact that God gave his son so that we can be together and we rest together and we're not at war Romans 5 1 says we're not we're at peace with God through Jesus Christ we're no longer at war and so we see communication expression and rest and Solomon doesn't just say I love you no he says I love you like this and he tells to tells her uh, gives her an example that appeals to one of her senses whether it's sight sound smell touch he gives her something that she can equate so that whenever she smells that fragrance whenever she sees that rose and I promise you whenever she walked in the garden and saw that rose she remembered that spot uh, where Solomon told her he remembered that night she remembered that uh, that when they made love in the garden she brought all those senses flooded back and it reminded her of something in incredibly beautiful about the heart of her king and for her and uh, how he personally expressed himself to her. And there are times in life, even if you think back about it, you think back at the times where God stepped in and really truly did something amazing in your life. He delivered you from something, or maybe he saved your life, or he restored a relationship. He fixed something you thought was broken. He brought you into something better when you thought everything was lost. And those are the moments you look back on in your life and you say, God didn't just tell me he loved me. No, he showed it. He displayed it. He stepped in. Man, nobody was stepping up, and he stepped up for me. Man, there's no way out of 
this. I should not be breathing right now except for God. If that wasn't God's expression of love, then I don't know what it's going to take for you because God doesn't just say I love you. He finds a way to forever equate that love with a feeling, with a sense, with an emotion. He said, look, I'm not just, I'm not about uh, speaking, communicating. I'm, I'm about expressing as well. So communication, expression, and rest. And so they've communicated his love to her. He just expressed his love to her. They just made love to the garden. Now they're resting, they're meditating. And now they're in this communication mode again where they're speaking back and forth. And it's beautiful, the words that are being used because he is using words that she has brought up and he's doing so in a way to remind her, I heard you. You know, I heard you what you said. I heard everything about what you said. And let me just speak to that wound because it wasn't just you saying, I don't fit in with the daughters of Jerusalem. That is a soul wound. And I'm going to speak directly. I'm going to speak directly into the soul wound to you. And that's exactly what God does. He goes to the very source and he says, let me just hit this thing right where it needs to be hit. And let me just explain something to you. You brought this word up. And since you brought it up, let me just remind you, you are not like the daughters of Jerusalem. No. And if you were, you wouldn't be in the palace. I brought you here because you're unique. You're a lily among the thorns. And as she speaks, he speaks to her. Now all of a sudden her heart is overwhelmed and she speaks back. I love it. If you read in, um, Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he's doing more than just talking. He's teaching him how he speaks to him. And he says, what do you see, son of man? He says, I see a water pot facing north. He says, you've seen well. Now, this is what it means. Now, what do you see, son of man? I see an almond tree. You've seen well. Now, let me show you what this means. And what was that? It was God teaching man. This is how I speak to you. I'm going to speak to you and teach you how to hear my voice and how to speak to me. And it's in God's words to us. It's in how he speaks to us. And it is individual. It is different uh, to each person. Man, how he speaks to you is different than how he speaks to me. But as you learn that, as you learn to identify that, what it does, it teaches you how to speak back to him. It teaches you like you teach your child. Uh, um, Man, they try and pronounce words and they get it all wrong and ask for, you know, for, I don't know, a a sandwich or a sandwich. And you're like, no, sandwich. You want a sandwich. You teach them. This is how you communicate. God does the same thing. He says, this is how I speak to you. This is how you speak to me. And she's catching on, man. This girl, is a fast learner because when the king teaches her, he's been using comparisons in her heart, and now she starts to speak back. So, right in Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse number 3, what an awesome passage. It's her speaking to the king, and look what she says. She says this, As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. Now she's bringing out the fact that he's unique to her. I sat down under a shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Now she's bringing up this physical aspect of the king and she's speaking about some things about him physically that she enjoys. And she does enjoy him and she is communicating that very, very well here. And this communication's powerful exchange of affirmation and we're to see this between these two individuals. And the beauty of that exchange, again, is that it teaches us, it sets a pattern for us in our relationships here, horizontally as well as vertically uh, on this earth. And she responds to what he's just told her and with her own expression. And she speaks to him and she says, As the apple tree among the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under a shadow with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. And the thing is, she was telling him, you stand out to me as well. And you know that God wants to stand out to you. Like he wants to stand out to you. He wants you to notice everything that he is for you. She went through and she said, man, I'm just going to tell you. 
You stand out. You're like the apple tree among the Why that tree among all the other trees in the garden? She was talking about the apple tree because the apple tree contained some things that the other trees did not. The pine tree was beautiful. The redwood was majestic. But she didn't compare to that because he was more to her than just something, a majestic symbol. He was more to her than just uh, uh, tall and, and, and noticeable. She brought out the fact that he was able to be so many other things. He was strength. He was strength. He was uh, God, and God is, man. He is strength for your weaknesses. He wants to be you to see him as that. He wants you to understand his strength and your weakness. He wants you to understand that he is a balance for your highs, and he's an encouragement for your lows. He is shade when you're tired, and he's a covering from the rain. When it comes in life, you can hide up underneath his uh, branches, and he can protect you from that storm and that rain. He lives to satisfy any desire that you have, and he's right there, and all you have to do is call on him and pull close to him. He'll protect you. You have nothing to fear. You're safe and you're secure with him and he'll never, never hurt you. He wants you and invites you to learn about him. He says, learn of me. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, I just got to stop and say this growing up. I was always taught the yoke there was like an oxen yoke and it was just Jesus and me and the yoke together and he was the big donkey and I was a little donkey and we were kind of walking together and just pulling and maybe sometimes even preachers would turn the cross sideways and one of the arms of the cross the preacher would hold said, this is God holding this side and, and the other side is you and we pull the plow and we plow the work together. But there was nothing easy about that. It was still a struggle. So where is the easiness about all of that? The truth is, the yoke was a, was a term that a rabbi would use, the yoke, the term yoke. It was a term that simply meant interpretation of the law. And every rabbi had the right to present his own yoke to his disciples, his own interpretation of the law. And so when Jesus came to his disciples, they called him rabbi, they called him teacher, they called him master. And he said, take my yoke, take my interpretation of law. A law is a schoolmaster. Law was not meant to be, de- uh, didn't come to destroy the law, it came to fulfill the law. And you could not meet, you, you could not meet righteousness in yourself by fulfilling this law because there's no way you could get it all down. That's why I am here. Take my interpretation. I have fulfilled it. Man, I rest in that. Rest in the fact that I am the fulfillment. And so he wants you to learn of him like that apple tree. She said, you're not just any tree to me. You're an apple tree. You have shade. You have comfort. Uh, you have protection. You have strength. You have beauty. You have the ability to satisfy me. And what you have, your fruit is awesome to me. And I want to, to partake you. Man, there's nothing more satisfying. Take a bite of an apple on a on a hot day there's nothing more satisfying than just to take a bite of a nice ripe apple it's just man it's awesome it tastes it just tastes amazing it floods your mouth it's like a circus in your mouth is what kramer would say on seinfeld uh it's uh it's just it's beautiful for your senses and he says man i have every bit of that when you begin to learn how to taste from me you'll find that the ability to satisfy you and i amaze you i'll blow your barn doors off with the ability that i have to fulfill every single desire of your heart he says open your heart to me let me have all of you and you accept all of me and what you find in all of me is that you will ever, is all that you'll ever need. I'm your protection, I'm your provision, and I am your source. When she compared him to these trees, she's responding back now, and she's speaking to him, and she's saying, man, I know how to talk to you now. And let me just bring this back, how I feel, with something you can see, too. You're my provision. You're my protection. And you are my source. And today I challenge you to write this down. Take a, take a moment and write this down. Jot it down where you can see it somewhere. He is my protection. Or you put God. God is my protection. God is my provision. 
and God is my source. And I want you throughout the day to look at those three things, protection, provision, and source. And I want you to look at that. I want you to meditate what that means to you. What does it mean to you that God's protect your protector? How does he protect you? Think about that for just a minute. What has he protected you from thus far? He is my provision. Think about how he provides for you. What has he done for you thus far that has showed and proved that provision to you? He is your source. How does he give you your source of affirmation? How has he demonstrated that to you? How does he teach you? How does he fuel that? How does he feed that in you? How do you go to him for strength? And look at that stuff. How how has he become your source? Because I promise you, when you make him your protection, provision, your source, guess what you've just done? You've made him your protection, your provision, your source, and you've just taken that responsibility away from another aspect of life that was never designed to fulfill it. Man, I'm all for uh, having someone in your life that you love, but understand this, that person is not your protection. You may feel safe with them, but they are not your protection. That person is not your provision. You may feel like they provide for you well, but they are not your provision, and that person certainly is not your source. They are not your source. If you make them your source, if you make that job your source, if you make that job your protection and provision, it will fail, it will crumble, it will let you down. God is your protection. He is your provision, and he is your source. I challenge you to write that out today. Meditate on that. Meditate, meditate, meditate on that. Think about that, and go that over in your your mind and think about that, and you will be ready for episode number 17 when we meet back here again, and I promise you this is awesome. He takes her to dinner, (laughs) and it's going to be amazing when you see this uh, take place. So until then, um, my name is Daniel, and thank you so much again for being with me today. I hope you have a fantastic day today, and that you give away your smile because your smile is, in fact, Uh, reflection of your source and people are hungry for your source they're desperate for that so make sure you give away your smile today god bless you we'll see you next time bye-bye now